You're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Pharmaceutical companies often overwhelm us with information, some useful and some not. How can we ethically and scientifically approach this information? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, author of You Can Think Like a Psychiatrist, your host, and with me today is the Chairman of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Buffalo, Dr. Stephen Dubofsky. Dr. Dubofsky recently authored the book, Psychotropic Drug Prescribers Survival Guide, Ethical Mental Health Treatment in the Age of Big Pharma. Welcome to ReachMD. Thank you, Leslie. I'm happy to be here. Dr. Dubofsky, is it ethical to attend promotional events sponsored by Pharma? Many of us receive several invitations every week for these meetings. Well, one thing we have to be aware of is that with the new Pharma guidelines, these were produced by the Pharmaceutical Manufacturers Association, these guidelines attempted to separate marketing from other aspects of drug company uh, activity in an attempt to ward off uh, external regulation. And one of the outcomes of that is that if a drug company sponsors a lunch or a dinner, any, any sort of presentation from a speaker, and it doesn't matter if it's the most famous psychiatrist on earth or your next door neighbor, the presentation has to follow, in the first place, FDA approved indications. So you can't say, I use drug X for something it's not approved for. And you essentially have to follow the package insert. You're allowed to answer questions about anything, but you're pretty much asked to follow along with what the company has produced and what's been approved for presenting this particular product. And these days, if there are slides involved, the slides are either produced or certainly approved by the drug company. So you're essentially, with any of these talks, these are promotional events. They are not dispassionate scientific events. They've been vetted by the manufacturer, and it's impossible for them not to have a particular slant, even with the most most unbiased speaker. There's nothing wrong with attending that as long as you know what it is. If I go to uh, an auto show and I go to something sponsored by Chevrolet on sports cars, I know it's going to tell me the Corvette is the best sports car on earth. And as long as I like hearing that and I know what it is and I know that there are other sports cars out there, I'll, uh, I'll have a good time. If I treat that as this is real information about how these how these vehicles compare to each other, uh, that's where I get into trouble. Uh, for going to these multiple dinners that we get and lunches, I think, you know, if you, if you like a free dinner, go ahead, except they've, they've now restricted the types of dinners they'll send, send you to also. So you can't go to a real fancy restaurant anymore and order the most expensive thing on the menu. It makes it a little less fun. You get to see your friends, though, and, and that's kind of fun. And you, and you may hear some very useful information, but you have to be able to distinguish between the useful information and the promotional information, and that takes quite a bit more skill than you'd think it would and quite a bit more training. You can't just sit there and absorb what's said and assume that that you've got the straight scoop on anything that's being presented. So how can we critically evaluate the information they present us? Well, this is where you want to be able to think 
scientifically about the material that's presented. And if you read this book, it'll tell you how to do it. Uh, you can't simply sit there and have someone say, well, in this study, there was a statistically significant difference, and look, this drug was so much better than that one. You just can't accept that at face value. You have to ask questions like, well, what was the sample like? How were the patients selected? How severely ill were the patients? What was the clinical significance of the difference? If you recall, when Lexapro first came out, it was being compared to Celexa, and uh, there were these studies that of depressed patients, again, not like the patients in our practices necessarily, randomly assigned to Celexa, Lexapro, or a placebo, and they showed that Lexapro separated from a placebo faster than Celexa did, and from this, the conclusion was drawn, it's a faster-acting antidepressant, and this kind of got into the folklore, and that would be the presentation you would hear at an industry-sponsored talk of any kind in, and in their articles. The only problem is, because they had a large number of patients, the difference was less than a point on a Hamilton depression rating scale score that was averaging in the 20s. So the difference was minuscule from a clinical standpoint, but it happened to be statistically significant. And that was a meaningless statement that the, the, it's a faster acting antidepressant from a clinical standpoint. So you have to be kind of astute and figure that out. Okay, well, these two curves, what do they look like? They're just right on top of each other, and it's a very small number there. If you look at the numbers on the y-axis, there's not a lot of numbers there, and yet you say it's significant. What does that mean? And then you want to see what kind of answer you get. And if you get the answer I just described, you can have more confidence that you're hearing something that's a little more neutral. If what you hear is, well, it was statistically significant and that's all that matters, then I think you haven't been thinking uh, critically enough. So really the Q&A is probably the most important part of these presentations. Oh, yeah. The presentations now are so you can read the package insert and you'll get the same information or read something prepared by the company that, that was a group of experts. I'm, I'm not saying they're not worthwhile, especially when they're going over signs and symptoms of different conditions. But just remember that all of that has to be consistent with package inserts and approved indications and so forth, and it may not reflect real life. If there's one question to ask during the Q&A, it's what does this have to do with real life? What do you do in your practice? And when you hear the bit, you know, if you look at someone who travels all over the country every week giving a talk on a drug, you can be sure that person isn't spending a lot of time treating patients. For those who are just tuning in, you're listening to ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt, your host, and with me today is professor and chair of the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Buffalo, Dr. Stephen Dubofsky. We are discussing how to approach information from drug companies. Do you have any suggestions for us, Steve, on how to interact with drug reps? I mean, sometimes it just seems easiest not to see them at all. It certainly is easier. Of course, no pens if you do that, and uh, no samples either, for that matter. And a lot of us uh, really use the, uh, the samples. I am not a subscriber to the notion that the drug rep is Satan and uh, their only objective is to uh, influence what is important to remember is that they are salespeople. The training they get in the drug is by the company with a slant toward why you should use that product and not a competing product. So no matter how 
scientific they may sound or no matter what studies they may quote, you are getting a sales pitch. And as long as you're aware you're getting a sales pitch, there's nothing wrong with that. We get sales pitches every day for everything. I had some guy come to my door last week. He's selling some new type of Verizon phone. It's supposed to be a better internet connection. And it was just like a drug rep. In five minutes, he told me why this was so far superior to uh, anything else in the world. And I just said, well, you know, that's interesting. I guess I'll have to look up some more on it because I don't know what you're talking about. And I don't, I don't know if I can believe that or not. I have to ask somebody who knows. I'm personally civil to drug reps. I like them. I like interacting with them. I'll, I, I generally will tell the drug rep when they come to, to sell me a product, I'll say, if you want to drop off some information for me, that's fine. If you're here to tell me about a study, you're welcome to do it, but you're wasting your time. And if they insist on doing it, then I'll start asking questions like the ones I've described. And the average drug rep can't, can't answer those questions because it's not their specialty. Uh, I think you should also, in realizing that drug reps are salespeople, you should also bear in mind they're not necessarily your friend, even though they are trained to be friendly. Nobody makes it in sales without being a good people pleaser. And the average rep is very good at interacting with people and making them feel good because that's how you make the sale. So I wouldn't take it terribly personally if the drug rep feels that you're the best person on earth or, oh, you work so hard and you know, you've had so many problems and so forth. On the other hand, there may be things outside of the sales pitch where you do actually collaborate with the rep. For example, one of the reps here for one of the antipsychotic drugs makes it is very open about having had psychiatric treatment himself, and he participates in one of the local advocacy groups. And he'll sometimes drop in and say, did you know that in your clinic the patients feel it's a long wait or something like that? And I'll say, well, thanks, that's very useful. I'll look into it. And most of the time he's right, and the information is very helpful. It's a good sales technique because it makes me feel better about him. And then I'm aware that if I'm going to prescribe an antipsychotic drug, I want to factor that in when I'm thinking about his particular product. Something else that drug reps should not be is caterers. I know doctors who don't feel they can eat unless a drug company brings them a meal. When I first got here, they had hospital rounds every week, 9 o'clock in the morning, and there's a presentation by a drug rep on their product in rotation. So after a few weeks, I said, well, what is this? What does this have to do with your medical staff meeting? And what I was told was, well, they bring us breakfast. And so in return, we let them do a little presentation. But it's okay. We don't listen to them. I said, well, then you're rude. So they said, well, you know, we need the breakfast. I said, first of all, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Time you're getting up. And then I, I said, well, okay, what's the breakfast? And you look at it, it was a couple of these cartons of orange juice and four muffins for eight people. So I said, well, I could see if you're getting bacon and eggs or something, but for a few muffins and some orange juice, you're sure it's worth it? Next week I go back, bacon and eggs. So I said, no, that wasn't my point, was the, that you should have bacon and eggs. My point is, what are, what's the transaction here? And 
it became clear that this was a distortion of what the purpose of a medical staff meeting ought to be. And it turned out, actually, they could eat breakfast before they got there, say at 8.30 if they were late risers, then come in and have the staff meeting. The problem with that approach, you might say, well, what's wrong? So you listen to them for five minutes and you get a free breakfast. The problem is you get conditioned to not be able to think about medical decision-making without someone doing something for you, buying you a meal or giving you a cup or whatever, and it does tend to have quite an influence on your thinking. Well, thank you so much, Steve. I think you've made some great points for us today. We've been discussing how to critically approach information from pharmaceutical companies. I'm Dr. Leslie Lunt. We've been speaking with Dr. Stephen Dubofsky. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. 